0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Sunday, May 15th, the Catholic Church canonized Charles de Foucault, who is, in fact, uh, a former French aristocrat turned monk who has a life that reads like a novel. Um, He lost his parents, Uh, he uh, was educated in Paris, abandoned the faith of his childhood, Had a military career in French Algeria, and uh, this is a man who joined the Trappists, ended up founding an order, and died a violent death, which we'll talk about a little bit later. My guest is David Pinot. David has been with us before. We talked about his outstanding book. Uh, <clears throat> crucifix on Mecca's front porch, a Christian's companion for the study of Islam. He's also a novelist. He's written Providence Blue, a fantasy quest. And he had the uh, uh, privilege of writing the introduction to Jean-Jacques Ancier's uh, biography of Charles de Foucauld. And uh, David, good to have you back here. Thanks. Thank you
1: so much, Al. It's really a pleasure to be able to talk with you again.
0: This is a, first of all, it's an outstanding piece of literature. This uh, biography and um, uh, who was uh, Jean-Jacques Antier?
1: Yeah, so Jean-Jacques Antier actually is um, someone who's still with us. He's about 93 years old now. Um, he's a uh, French Catholic author who has published dozens of books on a wide variety of topics, um, but uh, has a uh, particular interest in um, writing works that are basically linked to helping us heighten our appreciation for the saints of the church. And I'll just mention with regard to Antier's um, biography, I've read quite a few works about Father Foucault, and Antier's work is outstanding for the depth of his research into the primary sources. He seems to have read Everything that Father Foucault wrote, and there is a lot of material there Um, Father Foucault's diaries, his spiritual journal, um, and extensive correspondence over decades. And um, Jean Jean Antier seems to have read it all. And I like the fact that in his biography, Antier quotes extensively from the journals, from the correspondence, to really give you a feel for the interior spiritual life of Father Foucault.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about uh, uh, Charles de Foucault. Uh, I years ago I came across a book uh, by Charles Coretto called um, "Letters from the Desert" or something of that sort, which mm-hmm. began to lay out a little bit of the spirituality there, but I didn't pursue it very far, so I don't know much about uh, the charism of the order. Uh, but let's let's go back and just start with his uh, family, his birth. When was he born? And what was his yes. family life like?
1: Yeah, so he was born in 1858 uh, in the French city of Strasbourg, so northeast France, uh, Alsace, uh, born into a well-to-do, excuse me, aristocratic, devout, very devout Catholic family. Um, but I think one of the important things to keep in mind, and this is one of many points where I think we can relate to Father Foucault's um, spiritual odyssey today. The France into which he was born, in fact, <clears throat> much of Europe at that time, was um, being changed, uh, roiled, disturbed, by many social, intellectual, uh, political comments going on at that time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and he grew up in an age of Darwinist materialism, yeah. so-called scientific atheism, and a general secularism that uh, questioned the worth and the role of the Catholic Church in relation to society, in relation to government. Um, And I think that those factors, uh, combined with the fact that he lost his parents when he was very young, all of this seems to have combined, as you mentioned in your own introduction, Al, um, combined to um, trigger a kind of loss of faith so that... In uh, growing up as a young man, Foucault was someone who lost direction and lost focus. as you mentioned, he entered the French military academy saint serre it 's called sort of analogous to uh, West Point okay. right here in the states um, but uh, he, he had tremendous trouble concentrating. He was bored by his classes at the academy and um, apparently also you know bored on the parade ground
2: hmm. um,
1: instead. He was um, very much um, a sensualist, uh, leading a hedonistic lifestyle, big champagne guzzler, put on a lot of weight, um, uh, very much a, a womanizer, um, a bonbon connoisseur. Wow. <laughs> this is someone he graduated right near the bottom of his class.
2: <laughs> oh, and um, you know,
1: by his own account, the beginning of what he called his reversion to the Catholic faith of his childhood came about, curiously, through a different faith, and more specifically, through a call to jihad.
0: Hmm.
1: And by jihad, we're talking about, you know, um, what's often referred to as holy war.
0: Yeah, military. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. A call to jihad preached by, um, basically, Muslim militants in French North Africa, in Algeria. And um, the result of this jihad and attacks on Christians in Algeria, was that Foucault's regiment was called up for active duty and shipped over to French North Africa. And I would say that that was the first step, really, in Foucault beginning to find himself, because the discipline of being responsible for soldiers under his command and um, the strict structure involved in things like early morning desert patrols all of that served to steady Foucault. That uh, was the first step for him. And then by his own account, he was also very impressed by what he encountered in Islam, in the sense of seeing a society oriented to everything halting for prayer five times a day.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, that led him to rediscover his own faith and, um, Uh, Sort of uh, making a long story short here, when he returned to France, um, he reverted to his Catholic faith, um, uh, consecrated himself to the service of Christ, ultimately became consecrated, ordained as a priest, and then returns to French North Africa, to Algeria, as essentially a military chaplain uh, to the French Foreign Legion. Wow.
0: What a remarkable turnabout. Uh Oh yeah. 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 Here's a man who's immersed in scientific materialism, hedonism. Uh somebody who sounds like uh he had difficulty uh keeping his attention focused, so he's a, a, a person of great distra- greatly distracted, yeah. easily distracted. Um he doesn't sound too different than uh young people today. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean that's why I say now we, we can relate to this. I mean, you know. Limitless choices when it comes to cable, or when we're online, yeah. or even you know those devices, the smartphones staring us in the face, you know. Yeah. And I think what what Foucault discovered, you know, as as Kierkegaard says, and this is something I actually refer to in my novel Providence Blue, purity of heart is to will one thing.
0: Yeah, that's very good.
1: And for for Foucault, that one thing was his devotion to Christ, especially in the real presence of Jesus in the consecrated Eucharist. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In fact, it's quite—it's it, really something to uh, realize, this is something that struck me so much in my own readings about uh, Foucault, is that he is someone who, once he rediscovered his relationship with God, especially God's Son, Christ in the real presence of the Eucharist. Once he discovered that, you know what the Sahara, you know what North Africa really meant to Foucault was a kind of um, sand-swept vastness of prayer.
2: Hmm.
1: He loved the opportunity for solitude, and his favorite activity in the evening was to be alone kneeling before the altar, before the monstrance, containing the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, alone in prayer. And he would sometimes fall asleep, curled up at the foot of the altar, like a dog, as he described himself, (laughs) for Christ. That was his preference. But here's the thing. He pushed back against that intense desire for solitude in making himself consciously available for others, because he felt that the way, what... Devotion to Christ does is to give one an interior strength that makes one have the ability to be able to be present for others hmm. and so <clears throat> what he did was um, he was he let people know that he was available for them to be interrupted even in prayer and um, he he could have if he had wanted to when he arrived in Algeria he could have gotten himself a position at a comfortable parish in Algiers, you know, the French capital there, right on the Mediterranean. But instead, he chose first to um, uh, serve as spiritual mentor at the French Foreign Legion headquarters in Beni Abbes on the Algerian-Moroccan border, and then, in a kind of itinerant way, to walk on foot from one outpost to another. Um, he would accompany um, pacification tours. There's a you know a lot of violence, um, slave raiding attacks by Tuaregs and Arabs. I'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he would accompany the troops. He would be there to minister the sacraments to soldiers who were wounded, uh, anyone who needed to talk to him. And of course he would be offering mass constantly. And when he would do so, um, so intense was his piety that um Muslims would occasionally drop into the chapel standing at the back um just to watch him. They they the the Muslim Avs referred to him as Sidi Marabu, uh Lord Holy Man, you know. They were impressed with him. Madibu. and he would talk okay. to Yeah, Marabu, yeah. Okay. Sidi Marabu. Yeah. And, you know, they um he he made a tremendous impression on everyone he encountered, uh, Christian, Muslim you name it. Oh,
0: what a what a remarkable turnabout. Uh we're going to take a break just uh, a minute here, uh, uh, David, and uh, I want to come back and talk about his founding of an order and how, how that happened. Uh, what was his experience like with Trappists, and how did he end up, uh, again, uh, starting his own order? Uh, we'll come back, continue the conversation. My guest is uh, David Pinocchio. He has, uh, has written an outstanding introduction to Jean-Jacques Antier's uh, biography of Charles D. Foucault. I'm Al Creston. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, David Pinal. He is the uh, uh, author of the introduction to Jean-Jacques Antier's Charles de Foucault. um, uh, His life is an extraordinary uh, story. Uh, It's a story of conversion. It's a story of service. It's a story of a rich, deep, interior life. And it's the story of a man who dies in imitation of Christ, which we'll certainly talk about David, when did he—or uh, what were the circumstances that led him to seek uh, membership among the Trappists?
1: So uh, when um, uh, Charles Foucault um, had turned back to the Catholic faith as his youth, what, what he identified with most closely— was what he referred to as the hidden life of Jesus during Jesus' early life in Nazareth.
2: Huh, okay. In other
1: words, he, what Foucault wanted to do was to step away from any sense of pageantry or pomp. He, I, I think in a kind of recoiling against the materialistic hedonism of his youth, Foucault wanted spiritual simplicity. I think that's what drew him to the Trappists Mm -hmm. at first. You know, he um, spent several years essentially acting as a kind of humble laborer and handyman um, for um, uh, convents and um, monasteries and so forth in the Holy Land. And um, eventually what happened Uh, after that, was he kept the motif of spiritual simplicity, Mm -hmm. but also felt drawn to go back to French North Africa, uh, to Algeria, to a land, of course, that's um, largely numerically uh, Islamic. Um, And what he wanted to do was um, to share the gospel of Christ with this Islamic society, but the way that he did so was in a very humble fashion. I would mm-hmm. say that what Foucault did was to imitate um, the motto of St. Francis of Assisi. Okay. That is, preach the gospel at all times.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: When necessary, use words. Right, right. In other words, um, Foucault said that, I want to live life there in such a way that simply by my example of charity, and being present for others, that the local people will exclaim, if this is what the servant is like, what must the master be like?
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: very and, good.
1: Yeah, and, um, and I should also mention in this context that, um, you know, there have been um, a number of critics who opposed the canonization of Father Foucault, arguing that, he was a supporter of the French colonial government, right. and um, saying that um, uh, I read one critic who said um, we should be dismantling colonialist figures, you know. yeah. Um, you as, know, as, and I would say this is kind of like cancel culture. You yeah. know, um, you know if, if you're off by one millimeter by whatever the standards are today in the 21st century, that's it, you're out.
2: You right, know? right.
1: <laughs> Which I disagree with completely, yeah. but what One thing I want to point out here is the fact that, yes, he was an ardent patriot, very much a patriot. He loved France. He believed in what France referred to as its civilizing mission in its colonies. But he also believed in criticizing his own government when necessary. Mm-hmm. Biggest example of that is France, to its credit, had passed legislation outlawing slavery and the slave trade in the French Empire. However, um, listeners may be aware that Sharia, Islamic law, permits slavery. And Sharia still permits slavery to this day. And so very active in uh, North Africa at that time were Arab and Tuareg Muslim slave raiders who would prey on the minority black population in the southernmost part of Algeria. Mm -hmm. And what Foucault did was, first of all, he would get after the government to enforce more strictly its own legislation. And then secondly, he chose uh, to establish a hermitage in the village of Tamanrasset in the extreme south of Algeria um, and, you know, living among impoverished blacks who would be preyed on by these slave traders. And uh, at the risk of his own life, he would ransom various slaves and then, um Seek out and find employment for them to help support them as freedmen.
0: Hmm. What you mentioned the Tuareg, uh, he did a lot of work uh, seeking to reclaim or, or preserve uh, their own culture. Tell me a little bit about That's who right. they are.
1: Yeah, so the, the uh, you could refer to the Tuareg as um, uh, the sort of indigenous pre-Arab population of that part of North Africa. Okay. That is, um, uh, those who study history may be aware that, you know, the, the Arab conquest takes uh, place in the 7th century AD. But, of course, before that, you know, uh, older populations already existed. Right. So the Tuareg are non-Arab, and um, historically they have tended to be uh, nomadic tribal people. Um, they have their own distinct language. It's not Arabic. And um, in fact, what's interesting is that um, I mentioned the controversy surrounding Father Foucault's canonization. And what's interesting is that after independence, you know, in the 1950s, uh, there was a really brutal uh, independence, you know, struggle, civil war that took place um, in French North Africa. In the early 1960s, Algeria gets its independence, But then Algeria identifies itself as, you know, an Arab republic. And so the various um, minority populations, such as the Tuareg, are really kind of disadvantaged. And in 1967, Pope Paul VI pointed out that people should be aware that part of Father Foucault's legacy is that he sought to honor and preserve Tuareg culture. For example, it was Father Foucault who... You know, interviewed many, many Tuareg tribespeople, um, collected their um, their sayings, their proverbs, their folk songs, etc., and he compiled uh, a Tuareg French dictionary, um, like 2,000 <laughs> pages long. Wow. You know, yes, I mean this. You know, he's a scholar. Uh, you know, you know, uh, among all his other accomplishments, and so and he was someone. This is what I mean about being present for others. You know. He saw where the need was and did what he could to build bridges to these other cultures. You know, and this is part of what he meant by you know being a witness to Christ's love among other cultures.
0: Now, did he formally start uh, an order? Was he an actual founder?
1: Yeah, he's credited with being um, the the founder, uh, the spiritual source of um, the Little Brothers of Jesus. Um, The the thing is is that in his own lifetime, it was not numerically very uh, successful, Um, but uh, I should mention that um, after um, the book was published and I began giving these interviews and so forth, um, I was just contacted the other day um, by a priest here in uh, the States who just sent me, I just got it in the mail yesterday, a whole bunch of material. Um, relating to Father Foucault's life and his spiritual legacy, and it's very moving to see that you know there are thousands of people today who have been you know praying for the canonization yep. of Father Foucault. In other words, his influence extends far beyond what I think he could have imagined in his own lifetime.
2: Mm.
0: Well, uh, talk to me about how the, the circumstances leading up uh, to his death and
1: yes. So he dies December 1st, 1916. That's during World War I. Mm -hmm. And to understand his death, we need to keep in mind what was going on in the world at that time. This was during World War I. And at that time, uh, 1916, Britain and France are fighting against Germany. One of Germany's principal allies was the Turkish Ottoman Empire. And the Turkish Sultanate, the Turkish Empire at that time, was considered to be the seat or the capital of what's known as the Caliphate, uh, and the Caliphate is sort of like the political, um, spiritual uh, um, institution that unites all the Islamic countries, mm-hmm. at least those that are Sunni in their orientation, the majority denomination. Right. And um, so, at the encouragement of Germany. The Turks declare jihad against the French and British Empire and the, the Turks encourage Muslims living in the British and French colonial empire to become Mujahideen, to become jihadists, to wage jihad against the French and British empires. And I'll just note here parenthetically, the term jihad comes from an Arabic word that means struggle. Mm-hmm. Okay, in the Quran, you'll see it referred to as jihad fi sabil Allah, or struggling in the path of Allah. Mm-hmm. Um, many Muslims will understand that primarily in terms of internal jihad, that is to purify oneself. But it is also commonly understood in a sense of external jihad, right. fighting physically against enemies of the faith. Yeah. That being the case, what happened was that french north africa then at that time in world war one was also the target of jihad and it was a group of jihadists who attacked the hermitage where he was living in
0: 1916. their their motive
1: was it a military motive well (laughs) it's a combination of things you could say it's a military motive yes um, it was also plundering,
2: mm-hmm.
1: banditry, you know. Okay. Um, but it's also, in their eyes, legitimized as a religious combat right. against enemies of the faith. So they take him; they take Father Foucault prisoner. They plunder the hermitage, and um, they demand that he recite the shahada, the Islamic testimony of faith. Of course. He refuses to do that. Mm-hmm. He's giving witness as a as a Christian, yeah. and they murder him.
0: Wow! And uh, what becomes of his body? How, how is, it, is he recovered?
1: So yeah, he's yeah he's discovered um, lying on the on the sand outside his hermitage. Oh. Um, the the monstrance containing the host had been flung to the ground. Um, uh, French soldiers discovered him. Uh, Shortly thereafter, and and it's worth mentioning, you know, that um, <clears throat> of you know there, there are miracles that have been credited to Father Foucault, miracles of healing. That's part of what, of course, the canonization process right. does. Mm-hmm. And um, in and uh, apropos of the martyrdom, it's. Um, fascinating to note that one of the the two major miracles uh, accredited to Father Foucault took place uh, November 30th, 2016. So that's the eve of the centenary, the eve of the 100th anniversary of Father Foucault's (laughs) martyrdom. This took place in a parish in France, um, and what was going on is actually this was a, a parish that was uh, actually dedicated in Father Foucault's honor, and they were getting ready to celebrate the next morning a feast in honor of Father Foucault because it was the centenary of his uh, canonization. And um, a workman had been um, doing um, restoration, you know, uh, up in the ceiling, and he fell from the scaffolding, this young worker fell 50 feet, and on the way down, hit a wooden post that punctured the young man's abdomen, and mm. just below the heart, really. Um, and people figured he was gone. Um, you know, he was put in a hospital, etc. And the parish mobilized. It was already preparing for the feast in honor of Father Foucault, so everyone got together to pray for the young man's healing, and he made a complete recovery.
0: <laughs> that is beautiful. Oh, we are out of time. Yeah. I have many questions, but you are a great narrator, David. Um, thank you. And it was really uh, a very rich presentation. Thank you so much. And uh, always
1: a pleasure, Al.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll get back together again to talk about Islam too. So thank you.
1: Sure.
2: Great. It, okay. Take care. God bless.
0: Jean-Jacques Antier's Charles de Foucault.